When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you've missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Let's talk now about this whole face mask issue with Education Secretary Gavin Williamson, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Um, Can you clarify for me when it was exactly the government decided to stop following World Health Organization medical and scientific advice? Well, as as every stage, um, we've always looked at the best sort of scientific and uh, medical advice, uh, not just globally, but most importantly, working really closely with Public Health England as making sure that we get the right set of protections, not just in our schools, uh, but right across society. And uh, that's what we've done. And uh, as you've seen in terms of the guidance that we issued when we saw schools coming back for, for June and the guidance we issued in early July uh, for schools coming back in September, we, you know, putting a system of controls there to make sure we do everything we possibly can do uh, to limit any form of spread of the infection, but equally making sure that children have the opportunity to get back to school at the earliest possible stage. And, and indeed that children, and that children have a, a reasonable experience in the classroom. However, you and I both know that the advice until yesterday afternoon was that the children in schools in England, primary schools, uh, no face masks, secondary schools also uh, no face masks at all, was not going to be necessary. The advice from the World Health Organization on Friday was that uh, the children from 12 onwards should wear uh, face masks where they couldn't socially distance, where there was a high uh, risk of the virus in the communal areas, so corridors, uh, canteen and the like. Jenny Harris, the Deputy Chief Medical Officer, only yesterday was saying that the evidence wasn't strong and that government policy was not going to change. A few hours later, Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, announces that they would become mandatory in school corridors and communal areas for all secondary school pupils in Scotland. Lo and behold, only a few hours after that, uh, the policy in Westminster changed. Um, I don't remember electing Nicola Sturgeon as Prime Minister of this country. Why is she in charge of a face mask policy in, in England's schools? 
Uh, well, she, she, she isn't in charge of isn't she? policy. And, and just uh, I think it's really important we just put some clarification in here because we don't want listeners to be getting the wrong idea as to what's expected if their children are returning to school. So what we've been clear in saying, and uh, yeah, Jenny uh, spoke incredibly eloquently about this just the other day, about actually schools up and down the country, there isn't a need for youngsters to be wearing a face mask. Uh, we uh, will be welcoming children back into school. We saw one point, over 1.6 million children back into school before the summer holidays. Um, and, but what we are looking at doing, uh, well, what we have uh, issued guidance on, and we've uh, made it clear in those small number of areas across the country where there are local lockdowns. And actually, as you read the World, World, World Health Organization advice, what they make clear is that face masks should be just worn in high transmission areas. So when we look at those areas that are in local lockdown, what we're recommending is only in secondary schools, only in local lockdown areas, is that uh, youngsters in communal areas wear a face mask, but not in the classroom. But that advice was changed last Friday. It didn't change yesterday. The only thing that changed yesterday was Nicola Sturgeon announcing her policy in Scotland. Yeah, uh, we, we are sort of living in the midst of a sort of global pandemic and we're having to sort of deal with unprecedented... Uh, we all accept matters. that and we understand but, 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 that the science and but, the medics and medical advice changes, but nothing changed yesterday other than another government U-turn. Uh, but, but what we have constantly be at pains to sort of express when that guidance was issued back in May for schools returning in June, we were saying that we'll constantly keep wearing the face coverings under review. We said exactly the same when we issued the guidance uh, back in June for all children coming back in September. And actually, uh, just a few weeks ago, we uh, made the, the change to ensure that children, when they're getting on dedicated home to school transport, we brought that in line with the rest of the transport system to ensure that they were wearing face coverings when they're on that home to school transport. But we are having to, uh, we will do at every stage, everything that needs to be done to ensure that children, as they return back to school, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, staff as well as they return back to school in September, everything that we can possibly do to ensure we create a safe environment for them to learn in and to work okay. in. But, but this is a small number of secondary schools that are in local lockdown areas. And one thing that's so important for me is that we see all schools opening across the country, not just schools uh, that, um, you know, are not in uh, local lockdown, but schools actually in lockdown areas as okay, well. No, but we, un look, we, we, we understand that, this. Secretary of State. We understand that. One of the big worries I've got, so I'm, I'm very happy for my child to go back to school. I wish the schools had never closed. I'd have sent her in with or without a face mask at any time. However, it was very clear that face masks were not to be worn in schools in England. Crucially, this isn't just about lockdown areas. Head teachers in any secondary school will now have the flexibility. It's up to them, basically, whether they want to introduce face masks in their schools. You know what's going to happen now. We're going to get some very, very anxious parents who who don't, haven't, haven't left the house in months and months and months who think it's terribly dangerous for their child to be at school. They're going to want their kids in hazmat suits to all intents and purposes and they're going to be putting the pressure. We know those are the sort of parents that constantly, constantly haranguing head teachers. Head teachers are going to feel they're going to be blamed if they haven't brought in face masks. We're going to end up with all of our children wearing face masks all of the time when it's simply not necessary for them to do so. It will actually possibly be more dangerous for them to do so. Can't the 
government stand up and be counted on this and just say, no, we are following the best scientific and medical advice. I'm willing to trust that Chris Whitty knows better than the average anxious mum at my school and says we are not having face masks in schools unless in the exact circumstances of a specific lockdown in a particular area. Why can't you stand up and say that and stand up to the anxious parents and be and, and just have a little bit of backbone on this issue? Well, that is, in essence, exactly what we are saying. It's not. You've allowed head teachers to have discretion. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to speak across you, Julia. Apologies. I interrupted you. You've given head teachers discretion. You shouldn't have done that. Um, What we've done is we've said to head teachers, if there's specific areas or specific concerns that they feel as if they need to deal with, they have the ability to do that. We've always had in the English system of education a very deregulated system, actually trusting uh, head teachers to show... Um, you know, good judgment and leadership within their schools. Uh, But we have been absolutely abundantly clear. And, you know, the chief medical officers from all four nations in the United Kingdom have made it clear that the overall risk to children from coronavirus in uh, relation to education settings is low and that the risks associated with not being in school certainly outweigh those being in school. That's why our focus, our complete focus, is ensuring that we welcome back all children. Um, And we don't want to be in a situation where there's certain parts of a country where there are local lockdowns, um, where people are overly concerned about their children returning. That's why it's so important that we do everything we can. I mean, at every stage, we try to take a really careful cautious approach in terms of okay. welcoming our children back into school. And what about the parents who want to get them all back? What in. about the parents who don't want to send their kids into school? They think it's too unsafe with or without face masks. Are they going to face fines? Well, we've seen a system uh, within this country for, for many years. Schools in the first instance uh, work with those parents, talk with those parents, try and uh, deal with uh, uh, issues or problems that they maybe have. But it's really important. We do have Uh, compulsory education in this country is absolutely vital for every child to receive an education. And uh, that's why we've always had a system of fines uh, that is only used in the most extreme cases where it's not able to be resolved um, by discussion. Okay, Um, a little bit earlier we were talking with a a former education secretary, Damien Hines, about the Ofqual chief executive, Sally Collier, who she resigned yesterday over the A-level and GCSE grading fiasco. Uh, Does this mean this was entirely Ofqual's fault and you've got no blame whatsoever? Well, I'd like to sort of thank Sally for all the work that she's done and commitment she's shown to to not just this role, but many other roles over uh, a long time. Uh, period of time in pub uh, in the public sector but you know it was very much um, Sally's decision uh, and uh, uh, working with Ofqual and our focus is absolutely absolutely in making sure that we deliver the exam series for those youngsters who want to take an exam who weren't satisfied with their grade in the autumn but also putting the plans in place to be able to ensure all youngsters are able to take exams uh, in the summer of next year. Well, this is a crucial thing. Year 11 pupils starting this September and year 13 pupils for their GCSEs and their A-levels, um, they don't know right now whether or not those exams are going to take place. They don't know if they're going to have their uh, grades decided by an exam, by coursework, by their mock exams, when those mock exams will be, what the grading system will be. Are you going to match the grades of the uh, these pupils who are, let's face it, overmarked this year? Or are you going to go back to normal grades? Have you decided any of this? 
Well, as you have already uh, seen, we've been quite clear that we are moving to back to a system of examinations for the summer of next year uh, for both GCSEs and A-levels. We think that's really important. Uh, the best form of assessment is always exams. What if they can't looking, take place? Uh, but we are putting in place, uh, we are going to be putting in place uh, additional protections because obviously it is a global pandemic and we can't ever predict exactly uh, what's going to happen. But, you know, I, I really welcome Ofqual's announcement about uh, Dame Glenis Stacey to assume the temporary leadership role as acting chief regulator. Uh, Glenis was uh, the chief regulator at Ofqual, and we look forward to working with uh, uh, Glenis and the whole of the well, team at Ofqual to put these things in place uh, for the coming academic a very, year. A very highly respected academic. But, but, but crucially, do we not think that before children go back to school, before they start this crucial year 11 and year 13, bearing in mind they've already lost months and months of their mm -hmm. education uh, for the, the two years they should be preparing for those exams, that they should know how they're going to be marked? If they can't take their exam, how are they going to be marked? Is every single school going to have a mock exam that's going to be uh, externally vigilated so that they can uh, they, they can use those results and rely on them? Uh, is it going to be coursework? How, how, do we not need well, to tell kids what how they're going to be judged at the end of this year before uh, they start uh, it? Uh, Julia, as you well know, that Ofqual do a whole set of actually public consultations about this. Uh, what we'll be doing is working with the sector in terms of making sure that we bring the full exam series okay back into the summer. The best form of assessment is exams. Yep. That's why we're going to be going back to exams. I think that uh, there is, uh, it's fair to say there isn't uh, much enthusiasm in this country uh, for moderated results. Uh, and there are uh, and will always be sort of uh, uh, some challenges in terms of uh, teacher assessments as right. well. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. 
if you've got a child going back to secondary school next week, do you actually know right now what the policy is? Wherever you live in the United Kingdom, do you know what the policy is? Because it's pretty darn confusing. Uh, in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, announced yesterday that it would be mandatory in all secondary schools, in all corridors and communal areas where you cannot socially distance for all pupils and teachers to wear masks. The government in England had said that was not their policy. We know this. I spoke to the business secretary, Alex Sharma, uh, at about eight o'clock yesterday, where we discussed this on the advice of the chief medical officer. It was not necessary. However, hours later yesterday afternoon, we did have a U-turn. And in England, in schools in England, Wales is also looking into this Northern Ireland, uh, it is going to be up to head teachers. It's no longer going to be banned uh, for pupils to wear face masks in school. It will be up to head teachers at their discretion. But it will be mandatory in all secondary schools, in all communal areas, if the area is in a local lockdown and social distancing isn't possible. Confused? Well, a lot of us are. Let's talk to Steve Chalk about this. He's founder of the Oasis Trust. They've got 52 academy schools across England and uh, they, long before this, had already booked face visors and masks for all of their school staff uh, and masks for all year groups as well in their secondary schools. Good morning to you, Steve. Good morning, Julia. Morning. Now, we spoke only on Monday about this, and you made it clear that you were uh, of the view that, that children should wear face masks in the corridors. Um, are we right in thinking that this was not allowed in England until announced yesterday? Um, well, I mean, obviously, schools aren't going back to next week. Are, are you clear right now what what kids in your schools are and are not allowed to do? Well, do you know... The thing that I've learned in the last few hours with the government's U-turn on this is that before the <laughs> their, their view was that before the wearing of uh, face masks by secondary school uh, schools uh, students, as you've just said, was banned. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know we were banned from doing what we did, but we did it anyway. Um, it, it second, was... Let's clarify, though. So you're someone who actually runs a, you know, a trust with 52 academies and the law, well, the rules were not clear to you. And you strike well, me as a, well, you've spoken to you lots of times, as a pretty sharp guy. <laughs> well, we didn't know we were banned from doing this. I, I, it, is, uh, it is strange, isn't it, Julia? But the, the, the reality is, it, it, you know, why did we do this? It was a couple of months ago, I guess, or more than that, uh, when uh, it was before the summer holidays, as the government was issuing advice, I think, and it was at that time they were saying, we want all schools to remain open through the summer. and But then they issued no guidance about that how that might happen. We thought keeping schools open through the summer was really important for the social and emotional development of kids who are otherwise at home and those six weeks are lost, etc. So at that point, we took a conscious decision as a group and we said, we are responsible for 32,000 children, 4,500 staff and their wider families. And we're going to, from now on, uh, make our own decisions. We have to step up and take responsibility. And in the absence of good guidance or the muddle of constant U-turns, we're going to make our own decisions. So it was um, uh, some weeks ago that we made the decision about face masks for secondary schools in corridors. The reason secondary schools are important and not primaries in that sense is that in a primary school, everything comes to you. You remember you sit in your classroom and you do geography and history and art and music and everything else in your room. And it's a small group of 30. But in a secondary school, of course, you travel. So you can't do music in a science lab. Yeah. 
can't do drama in a maths classroom. So because it, it's those transitions, those corridors, that that's where you need the masks. Okay, I mean, again, that makes perfect sense to me. I suppose what I, I and I think every other parent of a child going to school next week is confused by is is why these things are so up in the air. Now, we know that the World Health Organization advice did change, but it changed on the 21st of August. It didn't change yesterday, it changed five days ago. So uh, not quite sure why it took four days for the government to change its advice. Um, I suppose the big concern for people is, is the, is the latest medical and scientific advice being followed? We're quite happy for things to change when new evidence emerges. That, that is a sensible way of making decisions. Yeah. But the worry is that, that new, that new uh, rules are brought in oh, because someone else has done it and because parents are pressuring. I, yeah. I don't want my child forced to wear a mask at any point during the school day because some other parent is oh so anxious and hasn't left her home. Uh, for the last four months, no. um, and and and, but it's quite happy to order things from Amazon in the supermarket, and doesn't apparently think those people are are, are unsafe to go to work. Um, but but I mean, I I don't want policy made by anxious parents who don't know what they're talking about. I do want policy made by the chief medical officer. Yeah, so I, I think there's something worth exploring there, actually, uh, Julia. So as you know, we have Sage, but we have the alternative Sage as well. And the World Health Organization's advice is quite often different to SAGE's advice, let alone the alternative SAGE's advice. So the idea that all science is uniform yeah. uh, it is, is just wrong. It's a view that's held by non-scientists. Yeah. Science is a debate. It's a discussion. And I'm sure you know better than I that there are different scientific pieces of advice that come forward. But even when all the scientists agree on something, which they sometimes do, and they supply us with some empirical facts, facts are one thing, but it's then the task of leaders, in our case, the leaders of Oasis schools and other social projects around the country, to make informed decisions on a through the lens of our values on the information that we have. That's the job of politicians, I believe, as well, to do to think about the morality of a situation, uh, the, the values involved in the situation. So based on the fact that the medical advice keeps changing, as you say, what we want to do is be as safe as possible. I, um, I, I read in the news this morning that Facebook have just announced that they're not sending their staff back to their offices yeah. anywhere in the world until July 21. Why is that? Is it because medical advice is available? No, it's because they have the common sense to say, let's make our offices as COVID safe as they can possibly be. So Oasis has taken uh, this view. The masks for our, uh, our secondary school kids are all going to be colour-coded. They're going to be fun. Albert Einstein once said, you never learn anything unless you're having fun. Our schools are fun. They're good places to be for staff and for students. And we just knew for our families, for everyone, because we're corporately responsible for one another. This was the wisest way forward. OK, well, let me ask you also about the Ofqual chief executive before I let you go. Uh, Sally Collier resigned yesterday after the A-level and GCSE marking fiasco. Uh, she was, of course, in charge of Ofqual, of course, a botched algorithm that led to 280,000 marks being downgraded from teacher predictions. Now, given that the exam results were so much better this year, it looks like an awful lot of those marks should have been downgraded. Uh, and we're, we're going to reap the, uh, the, the effects of this next year. I don't know how we're going to uh, see what happens with their A grades next year. Um, but um, was it right for the uh, chief executive of Ofqual to go? 
Um, uh, Julia, I, I really don't understand what goes on between government and Ofqual. No, I really, one, no yeah. one does, Steve. No, no one it. does. I don't think the government or Ofqual know. Exactly. So the, the blame seems to be shifted this way and this way, that way and that way. The, the reality is I, I, I genuinely don't understand this. What I do know, I'd like to look ahead on this. What I do know, what I believe is this. I say this in all seriousness. The biggest issue facing teachers and students next week as they go back to school is what happens with the exams next year. And you may say, yeah, but that's all miles and miles ahead. We can't possibly have guidance around that now. If I'm 15 and I'm going into year 11 and I'm facing my GCSE year, what I really need to know now is what are we studying? When will the mocks happen? Uh, will, will, what, we need a whole year's education. In the case of a local lockdown and I miss out on education or some education, will I be still marked against kids who don't have a local lockdown? Are we all going to do the same mocks at the same time set by government? Are they before Christmas or after Christmas? Is it all on teacher assessment? We need absolute clarity before the beginning of term or we'll have chaos again. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome him. It's very exciting because he's a guest in the studio. Right. Times columnist Matthew Said, who joins us. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julie. It's good to be here. Lovely face to see. To face. It's very, it's genuinely very exciting <laughs> to see people face to face now. Um, now, um, I was going to say, you've got another book. You write a lot of books. You are, you are very, very, you, I think you write books faster than I read them these days. <laughs> but you've got a, I just think it sounds brilliant, this book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I, I know from speaking to you and reading your previous books, I know I'm going to agree with every single word. Dare to be you, it's called. And it's a book actually uh, aimed at children. Tell us what it's about. It is. So I started writing for kids in 2018. Uh, first book was called You Are Awesome. This one, Dare to Be You. I'll tell you what triggered it, really. Um, one of the things that happened during lockdown is my daughter, Evie. She's seven years old, you know, quite bright spark. And I've been taken to the habit of putting the radio on during breakfast, um, just on in the background. Yeah. And at one point, uh, Evie said to me, Dad, has my life been ruined? Oh, I said, well, why, why do you say that? And then it suddenly hit me that, that day after day, she's been hearing commentators on the radio say that COVID, which, by the way, has been difficult. It's been tough for children. It's yeah. been tough for parents. It's been tough for teachers. It's been, been tough for society. Year, let's it's be been honest. a difficult year and an unusual year in all sorts of different ways. But they keep saying it's shattered children's lives. It has disrupted and devastated their well-being. They will never be able to catch up the lost ground. They'll never be able to recover the lost ground. And she's been imbibing all of these messages. And she said to me spontaneously, has it ruined my life? And I look, I don't want to diminish in any way how difficult it has been. I don't want to diminish the fact there are mental health concerns and other things of that kind. But the tone to me yeah. is all wrong. I have to say, this is something uh, you could have been listening to our show because genuinely, that's one of the things that I've really fought against uh, throughout the lockdown. I was working from home like many, many millions of others throughout it and had the virus very early on before we even went into lockdown, uh, was trying to look at the positives, not not to not to whitewash things, not to sugarcoat things, not to pretend things aren't terrible. We, a number of the regular guests on the show, in fact, Dave Chorney, who's been on all this morning, you know, his father died of coronavirus. We are, we, I mean, I've, I've had a friend who's died of coronavirus. You know, we, we are really aware of, of, of how difficult this is been but this need to try and look on the bright side and see you know put things put things in perspective yeah. and, and one of the things I remember always saying was look this is terrible we're at home 
But you know what? We're not. I'm not sending my husband off to the trenches. He's not. He's not sitting there thinking at any moment tomorrow I'm going to have to go over. Uh, you know, with just my, my, my bayonet and, my, and 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 get bombed by the Germans. We we you know we we are being forced to sit at home and watch Netflix right. and take a cut in and, pay. And, and think, this think, is not right. the worst thing that's ever happened to a human being. And think about the future. These young people are going to leave school or, or college or university, and they're going to be faced with a world that is changing very fast. Yeah. Industries are being disrupted fast. You know, I write in print journalism. You know, who knows if that will exist in five years' yeah. time? And that's going to be the state of the world, changing at a faster clip, disruption, industries being destroyed. The people who are going to really thrive in that world are those who are comfortable with change, who can cope with uncertainty. And if we try and constantly insinuate that change is devastating and terrible and negative, we're never going to equip them with the resilience and adaptability that I think is the strongest asset they could have in the modern world, probably even more important than a diploma or a degree. Um, And so what the book is all about is trying to instill these messages in young people, changes that have happened in our history, but that we have coped with, changes that have happened in my life that I have dealt with. I've also, by the way, there's also a chapter on anxiety. And if you're feeling worried or anxious, or if you think you have a mental health issue, talk about it, be open about it. But I've balanced it, Julia, with other messages that I want to empower young people. This is the key thing. The amount of times we've had uh, mental health charities on talking about, oh, you know, 50% of young people have a mental health problem. Well, no, and I always counter that with, no, they don't. That is simply not the real world experience. 50% of children at any one time may feel anxious or low or worried. These are normal, in the vast majority of young people and older people, these are normal human emotions. If you didn't at any point feel anxious or low or worried during the lockdown, then, you, you, then you're, you know, you're a better person. I mean, I'm as, I'm as positive as they can be. And I, you know, my whole family, well, my daughter is very, very positive, my husband. Every now and then, and we tend to do it on different days, every few weeks, we would all have a, this is, you know... This is this is really getting me down now. Yeah. And we had those moments and we had a group hug. You know, we made a nice lunch. We went out for a walk and, and you know, we, we just tried to sort of look on the positives. And it's really important that we don't just say the, the, that this is a mental yeah, health problem right. because the, you're having a normal human I, I, emotion. I think this is of, of fundamental significance in our world at the moment. Um, one of the stories I tell in the book is I, in my final year of primary school, what year is that, Julia? You've got a 13. So I was 11 years old, and it was Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I had a quite a decent part. I was Jacob, Get Joseph's you. dad. And I was really nervous, anxious about being in front, not just of my peer group, you know, school, my classmates, but also the parents were coming in to watch. So think about that. You know, That's the one of the reasons they but, do school performances. Well, exactly. Julia, imagine if somebody said, oh, well, hang on, you're nervous? You're anxious? You're, you're reflecting on this before you go to bed? Well, you, you definitely need it. You need to have some medical help. That's wrong. Yeah. My father said, Matthew, this is completely normal to feel anxious. You know, when you, you know, in life, when you come on a radio yeah. show, if you have to give a talk or you have to do a job interview, nerves are perfectly and, natural. And by they're the way, actually Julia, part of why you perform well because correct. they get everything, you know, your blood moving and yeah. your brain and by functioning. by the way, if you, if you insulate children from that, if you say, oh, no, well, you never go in front of a group of people to speak if you get nervous, you're never going to develop the skill and the confidence and the, and the coping strategy. So, and this is by the, the way, stuff the by best the way, schools do. They, they get course, the kids from reception this, onwards. Yeah, but here's the things. thing, is a lot of young people, this is, what, this is one of the reasons I started this, this children's book series, is a lot of teachers and parents were saying, you know what, is it a good thing? 
to say to my children, don't do something that makes you anxious? And the answer to that is it depends what it is. If it's walking along a cliff face where you might fall off, then yes, it's a good <laughs> yeah. idea to stay away from that. But if it's something that can really help you in yeah. life, you should confront those. Ang- By the way, so I gave this um, uh, performance as Jacob and I did fluff a line and I came off and I was, I wouldn't say humiliated, Julia. I was, I was a bit embarrassed and my father said to me, again, he's a great guy. He was uh, Pakistani-born, you know, really um, an ambitious person, yeah. but also someone with great common sense. And he said to me, that's one of the best lessons you all have because making mistakes is a part of life too. Exactly. And you have to deal with it. And, and you next time you're invited... I make mistakes all the time. Yeah. We've fluffed a couple of lines since we've been talking this morning. That's okay. <laughs> and young people on. shouldn't be devastated by that. But this is it. There's something about perfection. I can remember a teacher telling my daughter, I just think they're crying about writing out some poem or something and saying, but it has to be perfect. I said, nothing you do ever has to be perfect and it never will be perfect. And that's okay. I don't even need you, I said, and I've reiterated this, to you to do the best you can every day. I don't even like that as an instruction. Don't do the best you can every single day. Because that you're going to be worn out by the time you're seven years old. Yeah. The pressure we put on young people. But what I find also is interesting. You, you talked about self-esteem, um, and and you know, ch- lots of children who struggle with low self-esteem. Um, one of the things that I think we've got wrong now is is this idea of telling every child, "Oh, you're amazing. You can be anything you want." No, they can't. No, no. Most people, most people are pretty average. We, we actually we're pretty average, and we can't be. I can't be an astronaut. I can't be a ballerina. I, I can't. I can't do. I can't. Do, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can probably vaguely pass muster as a radio host on a good day, but I, there are loads of jobs I can't do, and there are loads of things I will never achieve. I can't because I'm, you know, I'm really, really average or poor at those things. Do we not need to be a bit more honest with children and just say you should have the self-esteem appropriate to your abilities and your talent, and 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 this idea that you should be every child should be a star, and every child can be anything they want to be. We are selling them a lie. No, you know what? You may well end up stacking shelves in a supermarket and there's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about that. That's a good, honest living and you're doing really useful, as we've discovered during the lockdown, essential work and you should be proud of that. Well, I ought to say my mother stacked shelves at Asda and and did it brilliantly and with I I chopped onions in a takeaway. Nothing nothing wrong with that. There's a huge amount of unpacking that. But one thing thing I think is really important and, and psychologists have studied this is what they call the curse of perfectionism. I think social media may be partly to blame. You know, a lot of people, when they're posting, they try and make their lives look perfect, particularly on Facebook. I do the Airbrush photos and what a wonderful holiday we had. And I think sometimes it's easy for young people to to infer that life is about looking and acting in a perfect way. And that everyone else is having a perfect existence. But think of the consequence of that. If it's all about perfection, why would I ever take a risk? Why would I try something new? Why would I embrace change? Because when you try something new, you're not going to be perfect the first time. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Yeah. That's part of how things evolve. And I think that young people are not taking sensible risks that are a part of what it is to grow and become stronger. And bearing stronger in mind, in virtually every successful person in the world, we, people admire all these multi-millionaires and billionaires, the Jeff Bezoses or whatever. All of them will talk about the failures they've By the had way, along the way. So, so I talk in the book about J- J- uh, James Dyson. Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether you have a Dyson vacuum cleaner, I but I do know. Well, there we are. But it's not a perfect one by the way exactly but by the way sells a lot which is why he's worth a lot of money but he failed 5,127 times you look to Silicon Valley all these great companies they have something called beta testing where they get a product out into the market they find out what the inevitable bugs and deficiencies are so they can address them in other words it's about failing fast and I think that if we have an aversion to failure if we're incapable of taking a risk that might lead to failure we're never going to do the things that help us to grow so young people yeah I 
want them to hear stuff like this. You know, you touch on the other issues that seem to have become the incessant focus of the public debate on young people and young people's development. If alongside that we talk about adaptability, about resilience, how wonderful change can sometimes be, the opportunities that it can provide. I think young people are then getting a balanced set of messages. And moreover, on that point you made, I mean, it is a subtle point, but it is worth making. We mustn't medicalise normal human emotion. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.